Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the preview of round 18 as we get towards the pointy end of the season now, the run home and uh, the logjam that is the AFL ladder uh, continues. I think by my count, 15 teams that can nominally um, still play in finals. Uh, one of who actually just sacked their coach, so they must have uh, given up on the hunt, even if uh, even if the latter says they still can. Strange times, as I say, uh, uh, big hello to my footyology co-host, Mr. Rodney O. How are you, Rocket? Very good, thanks, Rowan. Um, yeah, it's a strange... We, we shouldn't say strange times, because there shouldn't be anything that surpri- actually surprises about footy anymore. Um, it certainly does, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, um, I think it's predictable and it's unpredictability isn't it well how many uh you know nominally there's 15 sides that can still make it how many it's i've I've written a thing for espn actually that's gone up today about sort of ranking or banding the various hopes how many at this stage and just a quick off the top answer how many legitimate premiership chances are there do you think now legitimate legitimate um I think there's three. Okay. So it's interesting, isn't it? We've got 15 teams that can make the finals, but man, this is my point. Maybe only two or three that you think could win it. So three, and and people would still say Geelong about what they did last year, and if they get everything right, and if they get on a roll, and all that sort of if and buts and maybes. But three, and I still, I know Brisbane is the outlier, but I still give them a legitimate chance at this stage. Uh as long as they keep, and they're keeping everybody fit. So, yeah, I still think they're, you know, they're a chance. All right. I'm not going to go with my version yet. I'm going to sit on that until I'm reasonably confident it's going to actually happen. <laughs> uh, we've got plenty of news to talk about and uh, some massive games this week to preview as well. Let's get straight into it. On Footyology Newsfeed. Well, uh, no doubting the obvious big story of the week, and that is the sacking of Gold Coast coach Stuart Dew, which happened on Monday night and announced Tuesday morning. Um, uh, well, uh, it's it's amazing how, how big a part the media plays in all this stuff now. So as big a uh, name in this story as the actual removed coach was Caroline Wilson, that of the journalist that, uh, I guess, broke the story or, you know, hinted that this thing was imminent uh, a week or so ago on Footy Classified. Uh, so well done, Caro, who, uh, as you know, I've said a lot, her mail isn't often wrong. And she was on the money with that one again. What I found interesting, Rocket, and uh, I'll just get your immediate thoughts on this, was the uh, press conference in which both uh, Chairman Bob East and CEO Mark Ewitt sort of uh, performed all sorts of acrobatics to try to, uh, I guess, disentangle themselves from a vortex of untruths I think that created um, once Caro's story came out. They issued vehement denials that uh, now they had to sort of deny the denials. I mean, the thing you can't get over with this is if they said that the decision really wasn't made until the Monday evening, why uh, Why then? You know, why was a, a reasonably respectable performance by the Suns against Port Adelaide 
the catalyst? Well, the answer is clearly it wasn't the catalyst and the decision had been made sometime previously. The other remarkable thing I find with this rocket is that not just two weeks ago, the Suns had one of the biggest moments in their history, playing uh, in their history, playing Collingwood, the top team, a real finals chance, having played some pretty good footy. Uh, it was a massive moment for them and they flunked it badly and Personally, I think that was the moment when it crystallised for Gold Coast that Stuart Jude wasn't the man to uh, coach them any longer. How have you seen it? Yeah, I suppose I haven't paid a lot of attention. Once I think we spoke about it last week. Once there was a lot of smoke, yeah, you knew, and that's just off the suns. It's everywhere, even the other club. Once it's talked about in those terms and it's consistent, you know something's going to happen. It's just the history of what clubs do. What I found the same it happened to me at the. Stuart Hughes approached Mark Evans, and I know, I know you've got the job. I uh, know you're fine, you're safe, do it publicly, and then the next week you're sacked. And it's interesting to me that Stuart Hughes was at the press conference. It's the same when it happened to me. I, I wasn't going to go to the press conference. Give him that no pleasure. I don't think Stuart was the same. He's, he was hurt. He's hurt by it. And especially when he had assurances, like this is the way I'm reading, I don't know Stuart, but my credit is that oh, he's hurt by it and he's felt let down and um, you know, he's going to grieve about this. He's, you know, he's going to stick with him for a while. He'll leave uh, 121 games coach, a winning percentage of just over 30%. You know, it's not a great record, but then he did have to basically start afresh, uh, put a, a new list together. Um, you know, some big names still left during that time. Um I don't know. I, I wax and wane on on how good he was relative to how difficult a task it was, and um, only. Well, firstly, I'll, I'll ask you directly: Do you think he deserved to keep his job or not? Oh, I think that's too difficult to answer for an outsider. Um, there's a lot of. He's had six years. Yeah, uh, he's had he's had a. He, from that aspect, if it be clinical, he's had a, a reasonable time. Um, and uh, you asked me the same question a couple of weeks ago, and I said, "Well, you've got to give it really to the end of the season because there's still a chance. There's still a chance for finals." Yeah, it seemed to me that oh, we're going to make the decision now just in case he wins three games in a row. That's, but he's still a, a chance. Or the Suns were still a chance for finals, and maybe they they are. But so then, for, from that aspect. Probably not at this time, no. No, I think make that decision later in the year. Uh, so it seems, I tend to agree with you, maybe the decision was made before Monday night and uh, they thought it was the best time to strike when they did. It's, um, there's something about the Gold Coast and it's easy for us that are outside it and don't live there and to see it as this sort of Bermuda Triangle of sport where all these sporting teams... Get set up, but and that's a fact. I imagine no matter how much probably I might defend this, it, that's a fact. All sporting rugby league, which has been a rugby league town, really. Um, I mean, there's a lot of expats AFL, so it's an AFL big, but uh, basketball, soccer, uh, just hasn't worked. No, there's been no successful. Maybe the trans, not so much transient population, but transient as far as they've moved from other areas, and they don't move for sport. So even young people move for lifestyle and surfing and whatever the case may be. Young families have moved there because it's a better lifestyle for kids. Retirees, 
there's been a great big migration at the moment over the last two years because of COVID. What happened in Victoria? That a lot of Victorians have gone up there for lifetime and New South Wales people. Yeah. But they don't move for sport. So sport is not their number one uh, driver. And with the weather, it's saying, well, they don't make a decision for game day to whether they'll go actually to the game or not. Uh, and I think that's the same with any sport. So it's a different mentality of the of the population. And you've got a real cross-section of a whole range of different people. So um, I, I think I, I think you're going to get to a stage, or is it worth Gold Coast staying there as a team? I think the whole is greater than some of the parts. And it's losing money, uh, haven't made finals. But really the number of players coming out of there and the development and the number of people that are going to be living in South East Queensland, I think it's vital for the development of the game, to be honest. Um, the Suns' first three picks next this year are going to be academy kids. I reckon they'll all be a top 20 pick. So the Suns will trade out their first round pick because they don't want to use it on an academy player. They've got them anyway. So that's proof of having three talented kids coming in one year, how well the development of the game is going in that area. So it's a separate issue. But I think the sun should stay, no doubt. And I think how you measure success. But I think that's part of the mission of the matrix that it, the development of the game is going well. But whether the TV is probably the next one, why are they successful? Well, there's probably a myriad of reasons. Maybe the place itself adds to that is what you're hinting at as far as lifestyle and is. I think it's too easy to, to be off Broadway. You're out of you're off mainstream. Like if you're in Melbourne and you're playing for whoever, say it was Carlton, and you're a young player there, you were copying it. You when they yeah. out when they were going through it half time, you were you walk down and get a coffee. You were, it's in your face. West Coast Eagles at the moment, even though they have control of media, they're 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 getting whacked. So you, you get a, a real hurt uh, as a player. So you need to do something about it. You, you can't escape that in the Gold Coast. You can't escape that scrutiny that's the right phrase and you get into this thing of just okay recovery lovely go and do whatever it is they are professional in the way that they refer any of themselves but have they got that intensity about because of the lack of scrutiny so yeah no that's really well articulated and it goes to what i wanted to ask you the the particular challenges of coaching gold coast and you're you're one of only three guys to have done it guy mckenna and Stuart g the others now i just want to harp on what you just said there about the the environment as a coach um so you've coached in sydney as well which is another non-traditional environment and, and i played for the bears which was originally on the gold coast which was yeah. one of the first franchises which was a different set of circumstances but having been but you've experienced the other side of it too with the western bulldogs a sort of yeah. dinky guy grassroots heritage yeah, yeah. footy club were there times coaching Gold Coast when you found yourself thinking, geez, I wish this guy was back at the Western Bulldogs five years ago because he'd be a bit hungrier than he is? Well, I not in those terms. And looking back, yeah, probably, yeah. It's actually, in a general sense, and it's, the Swans have done it really well, and Brisbane are going okay at the moment because they're in bigger cities, maybe. But... It's interesting that the older players want to escape Melbourne, want to escape Adelaide, want to escape, like in my time, obviously Lockett and Maxfield and uh, Barry Hall, which won't swash at Sydney. They, they'd wanted, they just, they'd, they'd live that and wanted yeah. to escape that and probably 
affected some of them mentally health-wise, no doubt, of being under in that bubble, where kids, if they start outside the bubble, it really, I think, in many ways, you've got to be soft is not the right phrase, but more caring because of the, uh, they're away from home, etc. And the same time, you can't afford to let them get bad habits that life's easy. And when you're in an environment under the microscope of the media, say in Melbourne, well, there is an intensity about it where you've got to create that intensity, which uh, comes about the coach of maybe being a bit harder on the on the younger players to be, this is what it's about. We are playing for sheep stations. We're not here on a holiday. So does that creep into younger players? Okay, really, really good point. Now, the obvious question to that is, does that mean a coach has to change his approach? So did you have to be a different coach on Gold Coast than you were at Western Bulldogs? And, well, were, you, and were, you, were you able to do it? Well, I probably went the other way because I had a belief and it was relatively successful at Bulldogs. You build relationships, but it comes out of care, but you're actually challenge them and you you are challenging especially young lads this is what we're about and no I've only mentioned Ken Hinkle I think Ken has got that good balance at the moment where he challenges his players but they like that and so when I went to the Gold Coast who was younger I probably went the other way it was easier on them um, I was hard to start with because of the behaviours and that were not what I wanted them to be I wanted to train with more intensity and match like and all that sort of situation but I probably at times I balked at not the chamber but giving some real home truths uh, about listen this is what you're about this is what we need this is where this is where in my time there we excuses but we just had so many injuries consistently and along the way so you can't get the continuity of the younger players so you you're actually trying to get them back on the park so to answer your question, was I? No, I, I don't think I was hard enough on them, but I don't think in that situation we were in that uh, it was needed to be. It was about it's all to care and get them right. All right, so final one on, on this. Um, all roads seem to be leading to Damien Hardwick as, as the next coach of Gold Coast. It all sort of it all seems to add up. Um, and as you say, where there's smoke, there's fire. Do you, we seem to, we don't say, like I, I thought there's an argument that someone like Craig McRae becoming coach of Collingwood and the success he's had means that we're more prepared now to not just go for a big name, you know, with necessarily the premierships against their name, but someone who is best suited to that particular club at that particular time. This to me seems like, it's no disrespect to David Arwick because a triple premiership coach, but we, it seems to be more about thinking, oh, we need a big name because that's going to attract people, blah, blah, blah. Haven't we sort of moved beyond that a bit? Yeah, we have, but I, you, you hit the nail on the head about the certain, certain, certain circumstances, and I think the Gold Coast need an experienced person, to be honest. I think not so much a big name, uh, but who's had success of of developing a group and play a hard-edge football and whatever the case may be. I, I think... Craig McRae type going in, not so much Craig McRae, but a, a younger player. It's still a risk. Yeah, it is a risk with Damon Harvick, but he's got runs on the board. It's proven success. They need that to turn that around, and I think. And if he can't do it, it's probably not, not going to happen. Where if it's an experienced coach, it doesn't work, well, 
let's go to an experienced coach. I think go for an experienced coach who's got runs on the board, who knows what it's about, who, who can develop a list. And if it does work, well, it's never going that's, to That's the way I see it. I think this circumstance needs a person with some runs on the board. Um, I could be cynical and suggest he seems to have recovered from his burnout remarkably quickly. Well, got, yeah, I don't think he handled that well. Personally, I think if he's had burnout and then four weeks later he's said, um, no, I'm right to go, he either shouldn't have used burnout in the first place or after four weeks shouldn't have said anything. He said, no, I'm still regretting. I'm going on another trip. I'm, I'm leading to it. And I might be right by the end of the year, whatever. But I think that was a bit too quick. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, the other story I wanted to talk about this week was the, uh, not the curious case of, but the... Uh, the case of Bailey Smith of the Western Bulldogs because he's he's a brilliant footballer and we've all loved watching him at his best and uh, probably reached a peak in, in 2021 during those finals. He was just explosive and um, it's just been sort of one thing after another since then. Of course, he's taken a, a mental health break. Uh, there was the uh, suspension served last year because he admitted to uh, drug use. Um, his form hasn't been great the last few weeks. He won't be playing against the Swans this week because of illness. Uh, apparently, it's not COVID, but uh, they're saying some sort of illness. Um, it's, and, and that is bred speculation about, uh, look, should he, does he need a change of scenery? Should he be thinking about going to another club? Um, is it sort of, I don't know, we're like, is he in a different space? It, it seems like we're treating him as a different case to other big-name players who have lost form. And I'm not sure why. Is it because he's big on social media? Should he be treated differently because of that? Uh, and his coach, Luke Beveridge, seems particularly sensitive about all this, sort of intimating that the media shouldn't be asking those questions. And don't get me wrong, I like Bevo, and, and I'm obviously a fan of what he's done as a coach, but just seems to me a bit naive about the media and how the media operates. I mean, if a star player is out of form, of course there's going to be a lot of speculation about what's going on and, and how to put things right. How do you see it? Yeah, I, I think we, we are treating Bailey because I, I think because of his mental health issues. He's been open about, the club have been open about it. They've said this. So, and I'm just guessing, I would have think his illness is probably something to do with his mental state of mind at the moment. I might be wrong. I'm not saying that's that's fact, but and I think the Bulldogs have been looking after him and mindful of his of his uh, mental state. And and you don't know how he reacts. I don't really know him at all, and we don't know him from the outside. So he seems a pretty intense lad. If his form's down, does that mean he beats himself up more than what other players do? So therefore, you've got to, the, the Bulldogs will be working. Through, that's the case. Be working through that wrap their arms around him and take some pressure off him in some way. I would think, well, and I don't know, but I would think he'd be better staying at a in an environment where he's, if he's comfortable with, which I imagine he would be, knowing the players, going to a new environment with some mental health, it, 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 I would think would create anxiety. I would think he'd be better to stay at his own club. Now, as far as uh, Luke, um, he seems to, at times get a bit edgy and touchy with the media. Um, maybe it's just protecting his players and protecting his group, but there's probably a way to do that. I think some of the times that he gets a bit edgy, he could easily bat that down with a pretty straight answer and then it probably just 
maybe diluted a bit, and maybe even even go away. Like the thing about Bailey, should he be changing clubs? And say, as I just said, you say, well, no, not really. I think he's he's comfortable here, but you know, he's had some uh, some anxieties and some struggles, and and we're you know a great environment for him to help him through, etc. And then actually pushes it away. But right, rather than be affronted about someone yeah, asking, I know myself that I was affronted at times in the coaching. And you look back and you go, well, perhaps I didn't handle that. Guess why you go because it's straight after a game they've lost they've lost their so and being in a losing situation you're you're a bit more on edge and you're a bit uh, more heightened to the you know, the anxiety and tension of it um, but that's where a good media manager would say listen the game might ask this this is why so and you know what about this is an answer or you think your own answer whatever the case may be so I think maybe yeah look sometimes. I think I think with Tom Morris was probably a bit over the top, and if he had his time again, we'd probably handle it differently. It's just probably reacting to certain questions that thinks the media shouldn't go there. Well, that's their role, that's their job. They're going to ask some are going to ask uh, folly questions and mundane and pretty basic, and others are, are going to be uh, in depth and in a, in a point. So you're just going to be able to be prepared to answer them in the right way. If I was a media manager, the first thing I'd equip every coach with would be a joke book because nothing gets people on side better than humour. Yeah, right. As you know yourself, being the witty uh, jokester that you are. Yeah, but it does. It, it, I mean, it lightens the mood. It puts everyone in, in, a better, in a better frame of mind, hopefully. But by the same token, you'll still get some tough questions at times. Just uh, uh, some, you now Ross Lyon goes around in circles using big words and and it doesn't answer the question. And he had one the other night, a poor reporter. He, he had no idea where it was going. He was trying to ask the same question again. But but that's a thing. That's what Sheeds was good at. Sheeds would deflect. And yeah, the, the, the only difference was Sheeds did do it intentionally. <laughs> Jack Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I still, I don't know. There are times you'd ask Sheeds a question and five minutes later he's just going, what the hell was that about? Yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, good discussion. We've got nine massive games to preview. Let's rip it all. On Footyology, previews with Punch. Round 18 kicks off Thursday evening at the SCG. More Thursday night footy, 7.20 the start time. Sydney taking on the Western Bulldogs. The Swans are 15th. What a dismal follow-up to a grand final appearance it's been for them. Just six wins and a draw. They lost again last week to Richmond by 13 points. At the MCG, the Bulldogs are seventh and nine and seven after a, well, you hate to say it as a coach, I'm sure you hate this phrase, but honourable loss to Collingwood by 12 points. Head to head, they are four wins each since the 2016 grand final, won famously by the Bulldogs. Uh, the Swans, the SCG not proving the advantage at one Swans have only won two of their last seven games there. Uh, Bulldogs have played there five times since 2015 and have won three times and two defeats. So uh, a ground they don't perform too badly on. Uh, I'll talk about injuries in a sec, but uh, this is a really interesting game, this one, Rocket, because the, the, you'd say the doggies on form, but the Swans not too shabby against Richmond last week. No, they weren't, and they'd probably be disappointed that they got 20-odd points up at one stage and then... As John Longline said, I smashed around the ball and, and eventually the weight of numbers at, at winning clearances and, and got Richmond the territory were able to score. You know, probably should have won by more in the end because they kicked inaccurately. Uh, it's a hard one to pick. Um, I thought the, the Bulldogs 
looked okay early last last week. Overrun by the class of Collingwood. I thought Collingwood would actually run away with the last quarter. Um, but the Bulldogs came back pretty well and got to win a couple of goals. Probably flattered them to a degree, but I, I think it showed a, a ticker. Um, Gardner will probably be out um, as a tall defender. Um, does that hurt them? Bailey Smith out. Does that affect him? though he hasn't been playing. It just gives him that another that runner. Uh, it's it's an interesting one. I, I I find it very difficult to pick. I think at home you may even think of City. I think it's going to depend on personnel. Uh, but it's a big game for the Bulldogs. They wouldn't want to let this slip because now they would be in jeopardy for the eight. Well, let's talk personnel. You mentioned uh, the Bulldogs, and we we did talk about Bailey Smith. He will not play in this game. Um, Jason Johannesson, another one who's important to them. He's still a fortnight away after that long-term hamstring injury. Uh, Gardner, uh, Ryan Gardner, who's probably more important in defensive terms than some people might appreciate. He's expected to be available for this game after hurting his ankle last week. Now, the Swans had personnel issues, though. Um, Jake Lloyd, of course, in concussion protocols, so he won't play. And the chat. Chad Warner, uh, half injury. He will miss at least another week. Uh, Joel Amate is available after being managed last week. Uh, Buddy Franklin, still a week-to-week proposition. So um, Lloyd and Warner, Rocket, just tilts me away from tipping the swans a bit. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. I think Lloyd's quite a a vital player for them. And uh, Warner, they missed him last week. I think they did a good job, Ray Bottom and a few others early, but they just got overrun with uh, physical aggression at the footy and and um, a bit of class in the end. So, yeah. yeah. Well, just one thing I wanted to throw to you. For me, they just seem to have lost a bit of their um, yeah, wear and their dash. They're a bit yeah. stodgy this year. What's that about? You get to that when you like that. Uh, sorry, you get to that stage when you lack confidence and you don't want to make mistakes. You don't want to take the game on. And being 15th, they've obviously lost two or three really close games, which are getting close to the eight or in the eight. Um, so their confidence got to be eroded. There's no doubt. And they, probably in those times, McIntyre and a few of Florent have made mistakes and they don't want to make them again. They've got a bit of flair, got a bit of, with Warner out, adds to that. And I think their DNA from probably two or three years ago was their physical capabilities in tight, in tough. Um, they're missing Josh Kennedy in that area. Um Marcus, not the player he wasn't. He's actually getting exposed the other way. I think and he teams uh, as tough as he is in the centre of house. He's losing more when he's winning now. So they're they're losing that physicality in tight, which was proven last week. And once they lose their wear, they've uh, well they've become a right of the mill team who just uh, can kick goals when when it presents themselves. So they they don't really threaten teams. And I think with Lloyd out, sits him up down back. War is still out. I I think I'll go for the dogs. All right, uh, margin? 15 points. Yeah, I'm going to go for the Dogs in a tight one. They have won a couple of tight ones at uh, at the G against the uh, SCG, sorry, against the Swans. So I think this might be another one of them. I'm going for the Bulldogs by six points. Well, Friday night footy doesn't get a lot bigger than this one. Huge clash between third and fourth on the ladder. And I speak of Melbourne and Brisbane, 7.50pm at the MCG. A uh, rematch, if you like, of last year's semi-final, in which Brisbane famously upset the Demons, that being their only win at the MCG in their last 14 visits. 
Um, last up visit uh, produced a wasp to Hawthorne. That run goes all the way back to 2014 and is the subject of much angst about their finals chances. Uh, Melbourne had won 8 out of 10 against Brisbane, but have lost the last two, uh, consisting of the semi-final last year and that uh, round two game earlier this year at the Gabba when the lights went out. Um, the G, still a, a bit of an advantage to the Demons. have won seven out of eight games there this year after losing both their finals there last year. Uh, a bit of personnel stuff to talk about, but the records are particularly interesting in, in this one, Rocket. You, I can't think about Brisbane without thinking about that MCG factor. It's massive, I reckon. Yeah, it is big, even though they did beat Melbourne last year in the final. Um, I think it might come down to personnel. I think if Dunkley, Sabata, oh, and obviously Oliver now, some come out of the blue, it could be another four or five weeks. And I'm thinking, where did this come from? Like it's, And Simon Goodwin is trying to defend their high performance. That's garbage. The medical department, so this to happen is ridiculous. Um, and Dunkley's been out for a week. He's still out with a car. That's going to balance the ledger because Melbourne are going to have the issue now to play for track or forward. Look, it just adds another dimension to their forward line. Now, they, they can't kick goals without him. But if they start to lose it in the middle, you'll have to go in there to win contested ball. Like, there's only Viney, really. Um, Jordan went in there and showed a little bit. His arms come back in, but he's been on the way in really the last 12 months or so. Um, but Petrakis, uh, he's, he's, he could be the difference. Um, and it's a big ask for him because he's he kicked well last week, but he's not a consistent kick for goals. One of the most players in the competition, like a Cam Rayner, who's not... Insistent shot at gold. Bonton is another one. Um, I don't know really who to pick. I think it'll be. I think it'll be closer than you think. I know you'll probably go with Melbourne, but I. I just don't know if they kick goals. I just really worry about Melbourne's defence is pretty good, but Brisbane have got a few more avenues to goal, um, and the few guys are the suspects, obviously, where they can deliver consistently. But I just got a feeling that maybe it's. Um... Melbourne are sort of back to where you were in terms of getting heaps of entries but unable to do anything with them. And and from that point of view, the absence of Bailey Fritch is just massive. Um, and, you know, I, I keep going on about it, but I think they're a much better side when Ben Brown is firing and giving them a target. I'm on the same train as you on that one. Okay, well, tell me why. Well, I just don't think he's... I think he's height and he's square of the ball may be an option for you, something different. But if he doesn't mark it, he, he might as well not be there. His second efforts on the ground are very poor. There's no pressure. He can't tackle. His arms fall out when he goes to the tackle. Um, but he showed at that grand final that if he can hang on to him, he, it gives him that extra... extra. I'd probably play Van Rooyen instead of him. Um, but you have it, you, your point there about the inside 50s last week, they didn't have a lot of inside 50s. They only had 40-odd, which is one of their lowest, which is Petrakis out of the middle. So they didn't have the ball going forward. But they converted better because he was there and he's kicked four. So it's a it's a robbing Peter to pay all situation for him. If they if they end up with 40, 40 um entries, forty five entries against Brisbane, they won't win. They need more entries, but they need to track it to kick goals. I wonder if one of the lessons out of the last few weeks for them is that their their depth isn't perhaps as good as we might have thought, because the absence of Oliver and Fritch is just massive for yeah, that's right. I think it's the same with them. Chad Mueller's two vital players. Now, Fritz might be their second best. Well, he's not their second best player. He's probably not in their best five. But he's so vital to their where right, yeah. plays. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And it's, it's like some teams they might lose a ruckman and might not be their best player, but they've got no other ruckman to go to. So they actually 
at Hurston. Um, so, yeah, it is two key players. I think it shows you how good a player Robert Barisa is, which we know. But, uh, yeah, no, it's certainly a big loss for them. Now, you mentioned Josh Dunkley. Uh, the latest reports are that he is still one week away with that calf injury. But uh, apart from that, Brisbane, uh, pretty clean bill of health. So uh, I'm going to throw it to you. Where, where are you going with this one? I'm going at Brisbane by three points. It's brave. It's brave. But they did win a final there last year against the same opponent, as you said. Um, it's a massive test for them. It really is. I, I just... I, I just can't. Yeah, probably more so than Melbourne, because uh, oh look, Melbourne losing would be disappointing. And but you'd say, okay, well they've got Stretch out, they've got uh, Oliver out. Whereas Brisbane personnel's there. They need to win those games, otherwise they won't be winning flags. So um, you know that almost makes me want to tip them. But I just I cannot get past that record. And something about a, a night game too. It's uh, in the depths of winter. Friday night. That's, that's a fact too. Like, it is wet and slippery or suit Melbourne. But Melbourne need to win the game more than what, as far as the ladder, and what Brisbane do. That's true. Because if they lose, they push them right under the pump for a yeah. top four spot. Where Brisbane losing, they'll still finish third. So they'll, they'll still be okay. Um, so, or top four, they'll still be, they'll be fine. So their advice of credibility and their, and their, uh, confidence going into finals. Melbourne are playing for a top four spot. Which is the final motivation I need. Thank you for that. To yes. uh, get me to tip Melbourne and hopefully increase my tipping weed over you, which I think is two or three now. I've, uh, I've crept up on you and overtaken you, Rocket. There's a few, few rounds left, though. I'm going for Melbourne in a very close one by, let's say, 10 points. <laughs> 1.45, the MCG Saturday afternoon sees Collingwood take on Fremantle. The Pies first on the ladder, 14-2 and two after that 12-point win over the Western Bulldogs. Fremantle are 14, seven wins, nine losses after a shocking home loss to Carlton by 53 points and they've lost four of their last five games now, the Dockers. Uh, Collingwood against Rio won six of the last nine. Their last meeting was the semi-final last year in the MCG, which the Pies won by 20 points. And they love the MCG, the Magpies. They had 21 wins from 25 games there since the start of last year. Uh, Frio don't hate it. They've uh, won two of their last three games at the ground, beat Melbourne twice there once last year and once this season. Um, I'll talk injuries in a sec, but, uh, well, pretty hard to tip against some pies in this one, you'd think, Rocket. Then at some stage, Collingwood are going to have a downer. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, and their downer might mean they win by 10 points <laughs> rather than... But, like, both of us probably have stuck with Fremantle at certain games this year and they've just let people down, let themselves down. They were deplorable last week. They were deplorable two or three games already this year, they're just, you, you couldn't back them with bad money. They just, how, how, how can you know which one's going to jump? And the way they play at the moment is, is absolutely terrible. Um, don't look like scoring, can't defend. Their number one would last year was how they defended and they stopped the opposition scoring. They can't even do that. Um, except for Frederick, who's up and down, and Swistowski, who's up and down. They haven't got a lot of pace. We've got a couple down back, but... They, they tend to go missing too when the games will be tough and hard. And um, so they seem to have a few front runners in their team, to be honest. Um, Darcy's their main weapon, who's, who's keeps performing quite well, but they don't get the advantage out of it. 
no, I couldn't see them travelling Collingwood at all. They may travel in patches. They may get the reference because they've been criticised, but I still get to pick the pies. I think the pies will it'll be tough and tight for three quarters, whichever three quarters, and Collingwood will blow them away in one quarter and win the game comfortably. I'll talk about personnel. Uh, Frio, uh, Will Brody has been carrying an ankle. Um, he'll be assessed through the week. Uh, here's some news. Matt Tavener has moved off the Orazio Fantasia Memorial injury list. Uh, he completed a solid session of the weekend with a view to playing managed minutes one week later until he inevitably injures himself again. Um, so they say one week away from Matt Tavener. Um the other one there, Hope Chapman, ha- hamstring injury. Uh, he was on the verge of returning from a hamstring injury last week before reporting tightness in the opposite hamstring and sitting out of the waffle. Um, he's now a potential nominee for the Eratio Pantosium Memorial injury list, but uh, not great injury news to the Dockers. For the Pies, uh, Brody Majacek, uh, he's going to miss another week with an hamstring injury Issue, uh, Braden Maynard, though, good to go after missing last Friday night with a shoulder injury. And uh, still sidebottom, uh, poised to return this weekend after uh, being injured in his 300th game. So pretty handy to have a guy like Steph Sidebottom up your sleeve. Will Hoskin Elliott, uh, he's got a hand injury. He's going to miss three to four weeks there. But their depth is good, the Pies, and they are such a, an even side across the board. And... Uh, Wow, I love what some of those lesser lights are doing in that team. Been a revelation, a few of them. Um, yeah, they're just flying. And I hear what you're saying. I keep waiting for them to have a, a downer as well. But uh, I don't think it's going to come this week against a side that is really in poor form and pretty ordinary away. Um, I think the Pies are going to have a big win here. Yeah, because and they defend well. No, Darcy Moore really must troops behind behind the ball. Um, they've got, you know, Murphy's done well for them. They've got a good blend of height and some speed and some setup from down back. Mark, I've set in really well. Plano is an exceptional player. I think he goes under the radar a bit because of what the Dacos brothers are doing. But he's, he's ability to outmark his opponent and intercept at his height because he's got a good spring on him and sets the game up. Um, no, they're in really good form. And as I said, even across it, Gowie back last week played really well. So you can't sit. I, I said, uh, on the radio last weekend, on 3RW last weekend, this is, and I'm not saying they're as good, but this is as naturally skilled a Collingwood outfit as I've ever seen. And that includes the sides that won the flags in 2010. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. No hit targets. We said the Daycross boys, they put the cherry on the top or take it to another level because their ability to hit targets under pressure and without pressure, no matter so damaging. And then other players... And even Jack Chris, who is probably being renowned as not a great kick, and he still lets himself down at times shooting goal, but he's hitting targets consistently. So obviously the confidence is there and their ability to run and link up. And they split sides open. So um, yeah, I, 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 I'm going conservative, but I'll get them to win by 29 points. 29 points. Um, I am a conservative tipster, but I'm prepared to... I don't go for Collingwood by 42 points. That's about as big a margin as I'm ever going to tip, I reckon. Uh, all right, let's move on. Saturday afternoon, 2.10pm, Heritage Bank Stadium, formerly known as Metricon Stadium, formerly known as Carrara. Well, still known as Carrara, really. Gold Coast taking on St Kilda. 
And uh, there you go, another uh, challenge for the Saints who I'm told ritually come up against sides who have just sacked a coach or someone's dog's died of leukemia or something. They keep, uh, keep coming up against sides who are on an emotional uh, challenge. Um, Gold Coast, 13th on the ladder, 7-9 now after that 33-point loss to Port Adelaide. Uh, wasn't that bad, but they sacked their coach over St Kilda are six on the ladder, nine and seven after losing to Melbourne by 21 points. Uh, the Saints have won eight in a row against the Suns. That'll give them some encouragement. Last time Gold Coast beat them was 2016. And uh, what about at Carrara? The Suns are eight and seven there since the start of 2022. Uh, the Saints don't mind it, actually. They've won four of their last five at Carrara, but haven't played there since 2021. So been a couple of years since uh, they were up on the sunny Gold Coast. So what happens here, Rocket? Is it going to be the traditional post-set coach spike for the Sun? Um, Benjamin, who is coaching this week? Have they announced that? Yes, it is Stephen King, the uh, horror novelist. The, uh, Geelong Ruckman, an American horror novelist, Stephen King. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's him. It's still different, though, being a PH. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, uh, yeah, I think they'll have a bit of a bit of a spike, but uh, and obviously they had three injuries last week. Some Kilda, Max King though I miss, and with all due respect, Seb Ross didn't play the week before and hasn't been giving them a lot. And Zane Cordy, they're probably not. I think they'll be able to replace those Kings a little bit different. Embry out as well, so that's that forward line. But they did really well at the start of the year with, without that. I thought their pressure last week was fantastic. Uh, players down. Um, fatigue in the end, but they really gave themselves a, a chance to win that game against Melbourne. Melbourne would be pleased with the win, but they'd be disappointed they couldn't finish them off like they should have been able to. So there is a lot to like about St Kilda. They've got to bring that same work rate and same intensity and cause the Suns into um, into error. Bigger ground, so they'll need to work a bit harder. Um, heat, maybe obviously the humidity might take us toll, but I, I, I think the Depends on the replacements they brought in. Zach Jones was good from last week. So he's a plus. Brad Hill will probably come back and, and would shoot the run. Um, so on the surface, I would, I would think probably the, the side should go in favourite, but uh, you would expect some sort of spike from, from the Suns. Well, St Kilda uh, started off the year with a shocking injury list. They seem to sort of get guys back, and now it's they're having another bad run. Uh, King, as you say, pretty massive, that injury. He misses the rest of the year. Uh, Jack Billings broke his thumb. He's out for a couple of weeks. Seb Ross is going to miss at least a month. Uh, you did mention Brad Hill could come back. Higgins and Battle also uh, in line to come back for the Saints. Gold Coast have got one thing going in their favour at the moment, and that is that they are the least injured side in the AFL. Just one man on their official injury list, and that is Joel Jeffrey who is listed as four weeks away with a foot injury. That, of course, after Tuke Miller's return to action last week. Look, yeah, I, I respect the Saints. I think they've been pretty good defensively. But I don't know. Look, Gold Coast worst is pretty awful. But I reckon if you take away the abomination against the Pies, um, oh, and the one against Carlton, if truth be known. But they're, they're, they're full overall the last couple of yeah, months. That's okay. The last, last six weeks has been okay. Hasn't been that bad, and I, I do think there'll be a bit of a... I think um, the the bulk of the Suns players will be a bit peeved at Stewie G's replacement, and there might be a bit, we're going to do it for him. Back to, I'm going to tip him. 
I, I reckon they can get up here. I'm yeah. going for Gold Coast to win this one by eight points. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I, I've got no doubt that they can win the game. Um, it's really got to depend on whoever take their chances. I think St Kilda, if they can maintain their pressure, can cause enough turnovers. But the midfield with Miller back, Miller, Rao, Anderson, and that's St Kilda's Achilles heel. They're slow in the midfield. Um, that's why they got to put C clear in there. Jack Steele hasn't had the season. He's had in the past. He's a workhorse. Um, it'll be a great contest with Marshall and Wits. I think they're two really four ruckmen. You get their hands on there. And they're really good leaders for their teams. Um, now I'll stick with St Kilda. Just five points. 4.35, Marble Stadium sees Carlton take on Port Adelaide. Another big game. The Blues all of a sudden bouncing back into finals contention. They're 11th after that 53-point win over the Dockers last week and the, uh, the power. What are they called again? The power. They are flying 13 wins in a row after beating Gold Coast by 33 points. Head-to-head, the Blues won this clash last year by three points after Port had won the previous six games between the two teams going back to 2016. Carlton at Marble Stadium this year, just the one win, three losses. But Port Adelaide, do they like this ground? They have won their last nine games at Marble, and their last loss there was 2019. Uh, all right, a few thoughts before I talk about injuries, Rocket. Um, even though Carlton have been playing well, um, and it was a good win on the weekend away, the, the previous two against teams in and around them or below them, um, but they, it's more the way they go about it. They've still got they've got their DNA back of their physicality and winning contested ball, but they're moving the ball quickly. They're, they're taking the game on. They're trying to score rather. You used the word before about the Swans being stodgy. They played stodgy. We, they didn't give themselves an opportunity because they're worried about mistakes, but they've but the shack was off and they look a different side. I still think even they might have a downer this uh, port and they had a downer the first half last week. They can turn it on in a quarter as they're showing. They've got so much talent across the board that they do play well at Marble. Uh, I, it's hard to go against, uh, you know, Wood Adelaide. Butters had a down day last week. Rosie's just a sweeping star. Uh, the interesting one for them going forward, though, is Dixon's on one leg. You can tell he's straight... They need him right for the final. So whether they've got to give him a break and just get a block of training in him for a month, no games, whatever they, at some stage, they'll need to do that because they don't want him now hobbling into the final series because he's too vital a player. Uh, Marshall shows a little bit. So, yeah, I, I think Jonas might be the interesting one coming back. If he comes back for McKenzie, looks like he's out for a while. Um, but you can't go past Port. I think Port will win this. Well, let's talk about injuries. Trent McKenzie, I don't know about a while. They're saying uh, he'll certainly miss this week. Might be two weeks with that ankle injury. Uh, Tom Cleary, his season is over after back surgery. Scott Weiss had a chance to return after missing the past two games. Uh, yeah, Tom Jonas um, off the... And, well, here's the big news. Now, I mentioned Jonas might play, but here's the biggest news, Rocket, is that Orazio Fantasia is off the Orazio Fantasia Memorial injury list after returning via the Sandfall last week and vehemently denying that he was uh, interested in moving back to Essendon. So, uh, Essendon Hospital, not Essendon Football Club. <laughs> Sorry, I've got to sort of cheap shots of brass. Uh, Alton's injury list, they will breathe a sigh of relief with Matt Kenny avoiding uh, the dreaded ACL injury. No certainty to play again this season, though. 
uh, De Koning, Durden, Fisher and McGovern all facing fitness tests and Pitnet unlikely to return. So it'd be interesting if Port try and bring Wyset back to sort of exploit Carlton's uh, weakness in the ruck. Alternatively, they might uh, they might just not worry about it, just bowl on winning games every week, as they do. Look, I yeah, I think the Blues are looking a lot better. I, I wrote a piece last week. It was interesting from a statistical perspective. Carlton still shaping up pretty well in some key indicators like points against. I think they were fourth for points against, uh, fourth for opposition scores uh, from the uh, uh, inside 50, sorry. So they were ranking pretty well in several respects for a side that was 15th on the ladder. So and it definitely looked a lot better. They got that sort of attacking flea back against the Dockers, but Port are flying and they play really well at this venue. That's a big factor for me. So in the end, I'm going for Port by, uh, ooh, let's say, 16 points. What do you reckon? Yeah, I was going to go 17. And I'll go 21. I don't want to be close to news. All right. Okay. Ancient. Wow, this is a big game. Saturday evening, and it's down at the Cattery, GMHBA Stadium, 7.25pm, Geelong taking on Essendon. The Cats moved back into the eight last week with a 62-point win over North Melbourne. Essendon up to fifth on the ladder with an 18-point win over the Crows. They are 9-7. Head-to-head, well, it's been all one-way traffic. Had some had a stranglehold over the Bombers. In fact, they have won 17 of the last 20 games between these two clubs, going back all the way to 2006. Essendon's last win over Geelong was 2018. What about at the venue? Well, we know how good Geelong are there. 28 out of 33 is their record at GMHPA. Essendon has played at this ground only twice since 1993, uh, both times two years ago in 2021 due to uh, COVID uh, factors, once against the Cats and Essendon did also play Gold Coast down there in the 2021 season. Going to be a much smaller crowd than you might have got. You probably would have got fifty to 60,000 out of G. We're only going to see 23,000, I think, with that reduced capacity. I'll talk uh, injuries in a moment, uh, but I know it's not rocket size to say this, Rocket, but the um, the venue makes a considerable difference to how you tip this one, I reckon. Yeah, and especially the you know the Bombers haven't played there much, so a lot of their younger to middle aged players haven't haven't played at the venue. Um, so, which is a difficult, not difficult venue, but it is uh, such a unique uh, dimension, so that it, t- it takes a bit of getting used to. And Geelong do defend the ground exceptionally well. Um, they play it really well. So that's going to be a game. So, no, I've been really impressed. Apart from their victory last week, the Bombers have done really well. They've, they've been in most games. They've, they've come from behind to, uh, I think, early in the year against Geelong at the MCG. They got smashed early, uh, where Hawkins kicked five by half time. They, and they got back with a chance to win the game. So they didn't win it. But they've been they've got on top of sides early like they did last week. They've done a whole range. Of, they've been very professional. They've had a good system. Every player's playing for each other, and everyone's got a role to play. So, yeah, you know, I think the future looks really bright for Essendon. I, I, I'm, now, they'll probably make the finals, but if I was an Essendon sport, I know you'd be peeved if you don't make the finals. But it's not the be all end all to me. I, I, I think what they've done so far, and they can finish the season up reasonably well, they, 
they set themselves up next year to really have a have a good shot at it. I think they're I think they're developing their list really nicely. They've got those young players who have been injured, Cox and Reed and Jones. They get them up and going. Um, just adds adds to them again. But this week they'll miss the ruck, two ruckmen. That's going to hurt them. I know Bryant's on a bad replacement, but it still was an area that they could have gained an advantage over over Geelong. But I think Geelong at home you'd have to you know, have to go. Yeah, no, I, I, I see what you're saying about the finals. I, I think a factor, a big factor for me, for the Bombers, is that some of these young guys who have bobbed up and have really improved, they're solid players. Uh, when I say solid, I mean they're consistent. They do the right thing. They're durable. And I'm talking there about Ben Hobbs has been an absolute revelation. Um, Sam Durham plays week in, week out, does his role. Um, Archie Perkins is starting to become like that too. And... Yeah, and even went down back. Zerk Thatcher was—I didn't yeah. know a lot about him, but he was smashed by Hawkins that uh, the first time they played. Um, and then they put him onto Cameron, who was in good form, and he, he did really well on Cameron. So they, well, that showed a mental fortitude that he's—he didn't drop his bundle, he didn't lose his confidence. He was able then to still play a vital role in the second half. So I, I thought that was a real positive sign. So a lot of those guys have got that mental application and perseverance. So if they do get into trouble, they're able to dig themselves out of a hole. Now, you mentioned uh, Essendon's ruck issues. Uh, bad time for Andrew Phillips to be suspended. Uh, as you say, Brian uh, will come back, but he's pretty raw. The other thing that could hurt Essendon is uh, defensively. Jordan Ridley uh, cleared of serious knee injury, but he will uh, definitely miss. The other one I'm a little bit worried about, Essendon saying they're optimistic, but Mason Redmond, um, I was watching pretty closely the end of that game against the Crows and uh, wasn't moving too well with the hammy. I, I'm thinking he probably misses, and if he misses, that is a massive blow to the Bombers because he provides so much drive off that half-back line. That is a big one. Uh, just quickly for the Cats, uh, Parfitt's going to miss the next week on two. Broke his hand in the VFL. Jeremy Cameron, right to go, you'd think, after concussion. Collar Jasby uh, also potential to come back. Isaac Smith managed last week. He should be available as well. So uh, looking a bit healthier on the personnel front, although Cam Guthrie still missing all the cats. Um, just restate your tip for us, Rocket. Oh, with those injuries, I just reinforced. I had the cats, but I think Nathan Byer will be more down. I think the cats by 25 points. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough one for the Bombers this, and um, they've got some tough ones to come to. You've got Bulldogs next week, so uh, look, I think they'll they'll be game, and I think that's a, a big plus this year is that they're pretty consistent with their form. They don't get blown away a lot, if at all. But um, yeah, to bridge too far for mine. So sorry, your margin again, Geelong by twenty five. Twenty five. I'm going for Geelong by twenty two. 7.40pm Eastern Standard Time, Adelaide taking on GWS at Adelaide Oval. The Crows out of the eight after that loss to Essendon. And GWS only just got over the line against Hawthorne, but got the job done. They're 10th and still a finals chance, 8-8 eight and eight against each other. GWS won only one of the first eight games against the Crows, but they've won five out of seven since Adelaide, like the Adelaide Oval, not surprisingly, they've won seven of their last eight there. Uh, GWS have won six and lost eight. Uh, we'll talk about injuries and what have you in a second. But, uh, Rocket, you had a point you wanted to make about the blanketing of Josh Kelly uh, by the Giants last week against Hawthorne. And 
maybe a pointer to what Adelaide might consider this week? Yeah, well, obviously uh, the Hawks brought back Finn McGuinness to run with Josh Kelly. Some are ex-coaches and some puppets said, oh, no, you, you don't tag, you don't assist them. But it, it's okay to have a system 17 on 17 when you just put one player away. And it just showed, and they should have won that Hawthorne. Will Day missed two shots in front of goal and someone, I can't remember the other one, by missing news goal. They should have won that goal, which would have been a bloatage to the Giants. And so I think it sees the value. You just don't have to have one tag a play. Now, it might be Nick Dacos, you tag off half back. It might be out of a Sarge tag. It, it might be Darcy Parrish. It might be a winger, whoever it may be. But, but cutting a player out who's vital to the opposition, it just, it's got to be a plus for your team. Tim McGuinness did a great job last week. Josh Kelly had six possessions. Six possessions for an A-grade midfielder. Most players who are an A-grade midfielder get heavily tagged still end up with 20. So what a great job he did. So whether Ben Kearney's hills over to it, Ben Kearney has lost that bit of tagging. He's, he's hunting the ball too much. I think he's overrating his ability with the ball and he can turn it over. And I think he needs to get back and have a job at hand to say, listen, this is what, I, this is what you're doing. You've got to cut out Kelly or whoever it may be. So I think, uh, I think it was good coaching from Sam Mitchell last week. And um, I think it's, I think the tagging is a, it's a growing role. In the modern day for you, I think it lost a bit there for five or six years, but I think it's a vital role. So if they can do that, um, Rosa will help them. Maybe maybe the Giants will tag Dawson and just sit on him. So I think the biggest issue for the Giants, and they cost them the game against Richmond, and I saw some ones last week, when they have a shootout at the centre bounce. I know that sounds funny. They it's all or nothing for them. They win it and they look fantastic, but they let the opposition win it. Last week, Newcom got it out too easy goal. When they got in front by two goals against Richmond, they let Prestia out twice and Martin out once, and they got one goal to Clark and someone just let them out too easily. Like they've got no defensive structure in their centre bounce. If they don't win it, let's cause another bounce down. They don't do that. It's all or nothing. It's all duck and no dinner, and it costs them games. Is that about a structure or about having the right personnel at the centre bounce? Can be both, but I think it's a structure. I think they play for a win, um, and uh, and and they're tough enough. They'll, they'll beat a one on one, but if uh, if it doesn't go their way, they've got no coverage on the outs on the outside of a of the bubble inside the stoppage. Yeah, there or the opposition get a hit out to one particular spot. It tends to be the ones I've seen as you're. Like the opposition are facing their goal from the centre bounce on the right-hand side, that right-hand side coming out. And it happened last week against Hawthorne. Hawthorne got too many easy breaks out there. And the Giants get easy breaks as well, but there's no, there's nothing in between. I'd like to see the stats, the centre bounce breaks when the Giants games against opposition be there. I reckon it would be the highest in the competition. It's just it's too easy for both sides. Oh, interesting. Um both uh, personnel-wise in a reasonable place with the injury list. Brent Daniels uh, expected to return for the Giants this week. He'll be handy. Uh, Lockie Keith will miss probably the best part of a month with that hamstring injury. And uh, Xavier O'Halloran, a uh, serious thumb injury. And um, he looks like he might miss some time, maybe uh, six or seven weeks there. Um, Proust, the other one, time running uh, out for him to return this season. The Crows looking pretty good on the injury front. Jordan Butts expected to clear concussion protocols this week, and that would make him available. Look, uh, I did see the Crows in the flesh last week, Rocket. They were uh, pretty unimpressive. They were flat as a tack. 
early. They just looked like they hadn't turned up, to be honest. But I reckon back on their home deck, having to make a point, final's still very much a possibility. It's just got that we're going to put on a show for the home faithful thing, i.e. flat track. Well, it's not flat track, boy, because they're playing a decent side. Let's blast your bullies. Yeah, black short boy. There's a lot of black short boy going on this season, I reckon, isn't there? And yeah. and the uh, it's a sort of lions at home, lambs away factor seems to be looming large over this season. But uh, it's big for me in this game. Certainly, I'm going for Adelaide to win this one by uh, not a lot, but enough. Adelaide by 20 points for me. Yeah, I think the Giants as brave as they've been this year. If they lose this, it's just about curtains for the for the eight in the week two games out. Um, but and it'll be a big effort. They've done well with, um, against the Crows and against some good sides um, that beat Geelong at Geelong. But I think the black short factor with it's win loss win loss for Adelaide. It's win at home and lose away. And that's what they've, they've done over the last eight weeks. So I think they'll bounce back. It, for me, it's a bounce back factor as well. They've criticised the coach hopped into them deservedly. So media have given them a bit of a cook. They're playing at home. They'll play well. They win. I'd get them by 28, 29 points. 29 points. All right. Uh, two games on Sunday. Let's talk about them. One ten pm Marvel Stadium Sunday sees North Melbourne taking on Hawthorne. And, uh, well, we're talking about two of the bottom three sides on the ladder here. The Roos, 7, 8, 2 and 14 and have lost 14 in a row now. Hawthorne are 16, 4 and 12 after a 13-point loss to GWS. Uh, the Roos against the Hawks. How's that shape up head to head? Hawthorne are five and three in this clash since 2018. Uh, their last win at Marvel in 2020. North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium have just won three and lost 14 since 2022. Hawthorne at Marvel this year, one win, one loss. Uh, lost to the Bulldogs, but did beat St Kilda, which is arguably their best win of the season. I'll talk about injuries in a sec. Uh, pretty hard to go against Hawthorne here. Yeah, they've had the more encouraging form of late, wouldn't you say? Oh, for sure. They've been up and down a bit over the past month, but it seems to me the Kangas have fallen off the cliff. Um, even though they hadn't been winning games, we've been fairly positive about uh, their effort. You can see the future and some green sprouts and all the cliched sayings that people want to come out with. Uh, the biggest issue has been the defence. Griffin Lowe's now injured, but really they've the last two or three weeks they've, they've especially the second halves, will just fallen away drastically. Um, now with Sicily back this week, who we've mentioned has been really a key to Hawthorne. They did quite well without him last week. I think him back in the side, giving direction. I, I can't see the Kangas might be close early, but I think second half wise, I think the Hawks will go away with. It. Yeah, Sicily is a massive in for him, uh, isn't he? Isn't he? We'll talk. Um... Also about uh, Luke Bruce expected to be uh, available after training early this week. And uh, Chankov Jack will be tested later this week. Um, he had a bit of Achilles soreness after his return via the VFL. But personnel-wise, starting to look a bit better for the Hawks. Obviously, Sicily back is massive for them. Uh, really uh, bad news for the Roos uh, out of last week, and that is Griffin Logue uh, probably going to miss well, 12 months after an ACL. So um, shocking luck for him. One of their uh, well, more senior experienced recruits picked up by the Roos. 
Uh, they're going to be cautious with Simkin uh, as he goes into concussion protocols for the second time in six weeks now. And George Wardlaw, who was a late withdrawal um, with illness, he should be right for this week too. Uh, Shields, uh, William Shields, likely to be right to uh, come up against his old side. Uh, he's had a calf issue. So, um, I don't know, does personnel make any do Well, I guess Sicily back just reaffirms what I think we're both thinking on this one, and that is the Hawks rocket by how much? Uh, yeah, I think the, the Hawks. I think at the end they'll not win it comfortably by 33 points. Yeah, some sort of thinking in the uh, 30-ish margin as well. I'm going to go, sorry, what did you say, Hawthorne by how many? 33. 33. I'm going for the Hawks by 36. Uh, that leaves us with one game on Sunday afternoon. Uh, wish I could say it's a doozy, but it's not. Last game of round 18 is West Coast and Richmond, 4.40pm, Optus Stadium. Uh, the Eagles last on the ladder, 1 at 15 after an 81-point drubbing at the hands of Brisbane. Richmond, 12th, 7 wins, 8 losses and a draw after a 13-point win over Sydney. Head-to-head, Richmond have won by 5 of the last 6 against the Eagles. Um, the Eagles' last win, in fact, was that... Uh, was a Epic game, round 13, 2021 20, over in Perth. But uh, that is a defining moment in both clubs' histories because they've both been pretty rubbish since then, to be perfectly honest. Uh, well, not rubbish. Richmond made finals last year, but not what they were. Uh, West Coast at their own Optus Stadium, uh, far from being the fortress Perth once was for Perth teams, they have lost 20 or 22 games. Their last 22 games at Optus Stadium. Uh, I'm going to do the injuries now because yes. that'll occupy half of this. Uh, 19, I think, on the West Coast injury list now. Let's read them. Bergil, Clark, Cully, Edwards, Jamison, Jones, Natanui, Petreski, Seaton. That's just one. Rotham, Ryan, True, Waterman, West, Winder, and Yo. Um, up to eight players, though, they're saying could come back. Waterman has resumed wide training after uh, being out of, uh, well, bad illness issues for him. Uh, Shannon Hearn, Luke Sherry did very, have done very little training-wise, but expected to be available. And uh, Jack Petrocelli, not so quick, because he's got a heavily compressed calf and uh, concerns about his fitness for the Tigers. Uh, Jane Short is running, progressing well, and uh, quote, back pretty soon, unquote, after his injury for the Tigers. Um, Ryan Mansell, available selection after his three-match suspension, but uh, what the tribunal giveth with one hand, it taketh away with the other, because Toby Nangervis out for three games after that uh, pretty, uh, what should we say, injudicious uh, bump on former teammate Jake Lloyd. Um, what's going to happen here, Rocket? Oh, they'll certainly miss uh, Nan Kervis, but they were really impressive last week. I think uh, they justified your optimism and positivity about them. They were uh, they won't contest the ball. They got forward as best I've seen Dustin Martin play for a good 12 months or so. Um, really invested, uh, you can see. So that'd that have to be have to be favourite. So I think the Eagles will be better again at home. Um, that injury list you, you had, if you take Nat Nui out of that list, there wasn't many senior players in that. There was probably three or four 
that depends then on Shuey and whom do they play. They haven't trained much, which I think I've heard is an issue with the West Coast. They don't train a lot and then they play and they're underdone. So I wouldn't mind playing for them. I'd like to play for a client. Yeah, they don't have to train. You get out there and they train. <laughs> um, but uh, so you think they'll be okay in the first half, but they'll fall away. Their fitness levels will drop away. So for me, it will be the Tigers. Um, whether they're up and about like they had been at the MCG, it's again another test for them to do it away. But to stay in touch with the eight, they need to win it. They, especially if Geelong win, they need to stay in touch with the eight. Uh, it's, a, it's a must win for them, as most games will be. Uh, but I can see them winning this version of the All right, give us a margin. Um, 31 points. 31. I've got a lot in those 30s this week. Uh, same here. I, I reckon uh, I'm going to go 30 points. So we're of, of the same thinking there. So uh, overall, we have uh, one, uh, two different, and that is I've gone for Melbourne, you've gone for Brisbane, I've gone for Gold Coast, you've gone for St Kilda. Let's see what happens. Uh, thanks, everyone, for your company. Hope your team uh, gets a win up for you this week as we uh, get closer to finals action in 2023. Uh, thanks for your contribution once again, Rocket, and... Um, uh, be good to have an addition to the uh, Gold Coast Coaches Club. Just quickly, before <laughs> you have a meeting, we never have a meeting again. You've got a quorum at least, yeah. Good to That'll be a party worth going to. It'll be well catered, you know that. <laughs> All right, uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll speak to you next week.